Hey, Belinda. Hi, Omar. This is our very first Gratitude Blooming podcast. How does it feel? Feels incredible. I'm so excited to share the Gratitude Blooming magic with the world. It's um, wonderful how we got here. I'd, I'd love for you to share how we even got connected to begin with. Wow. It feels like it's been uh, a long time, but it hasn't actually been that long. I found Omar on LinkedIn, just randomly looking for a partner in crime to bring the power of gratitude into the world. And we had such a beautiful first conversation after I reached out and it just felt like there was something for us to co-create together around gratitude and the practice of gratitude and how it can really change our relationships and our relationships starting with ourselves first. I just love how the Gratitude Blooming Card deck was founded from this curiosity of what would happen if we brought together art, nature, self-inquiry, and gratitude into one experience. And so blessed that I had my co-founder, uh, Arlene Kimsuda, who is the artist behind the Gratitude Blooming plants. And the drawings were literally a depiction of her connection with the plants in her garden, the plants around her as she sketched them. She just had a, a moment to really um, listen and pause and discover the wisdom that each of them wanted to communicate to her at that time. And that really became the card deck. We picked 39 out of the 100 sketches that she made and created the gratitude blooming prompts around them. And I just love that you and I are using them to just connect with each other and and share um, how that's impacted other people as well. Why gratitude and why nature? Well, I think part of me has always been really intrigued by how humans see the world, how I see the world. And, and I think my relationship with nature has, has become such a deep experience around learning about life, learning about death, learning about the joy as well as the sadness in, in life. And just being able to witness nature in all the seasons has been such a profound lifelong uh, learning for me. And what I have found about nature is that it has such a accessibility and universality. Everyone is connected to nature in some shape or form, and it doesn't discriminate. And it's a way that we can all kind of reconnect with ourselves. I love two, two of the things that you said about seeing and connection. It's fascinating how the practice of gratitude, for me at least, has become as much about what is behind the eyes as it is what's in front of us. So it's what's going on in our minds and how that shapes what we see is probably more important than whatever it is that we're actually looking at. And then when we pay attention to what our mind is doing, then all of a sudden we are able to see connections in a different way um, and we feel less separate. That's one of the great things about gratitude as a social emotion is that it's inherently about that inner connection, both within ourselves and with each other. And nature to me is, is just grounding just to remember taking this moment where we're each sitting and just being present with what is.
So what do we want people to receive from this podcast experience? I would love for people to feel hope and inspiration about what's possible in their lives and to feel less alone in the struggles as well. You know, just the sadness and the grief or the just the range of emotions that sometimes we don't allow ourselves to feel fully. I would love to just give some examples of what's possible in terms of the way that we can be friends with ourselves and also relate to others in in different and new ways. I'm excited about this idea of fearless gratitude, where we can have the courage to explore our emotions, to learn to feel our emotions without worrying about what our emotions might become. Recognizing that they are like the weather where they just like come and go. And so how do we just be present to that and find the courage and bravery? And this is again where a lot of times I feel like gratitude has historically just been limited to just a journal and an individual practice. And really to really unlock the power of gratitude is to really practice it in community. You know, and that community could just be with someone in your home. It could be with a friend. It could probably be with an animal. Mm. And just how do we sort of practice this uh, community in a different way than just by ourselves in a journal alone? Yeah. And I feel so grateful for you, Omar, for, you know, saying yes to the opportunity to connect in through this as well and and how this practice goes beyond even appreciation and noticing what's good in the world it's also just being able to be with all the different shades of life and still find the gift in that the appreciation is mutual and i think for me what this collaboration has taught me is to really trust our favorite word, synchronicity, that beautiful coincidence where it's not really about trying to uh, control all possible outcomes, but really allow things to sort of unfold. And that to me is where the fearless gratitude comes in when we can trust for things to unfold uh, and not necessarily predetermine the outcome that we want then more things become possible. I think that's to me, again, sort of the, the lesson from nature is that life happens and it evolves in a myriad of ways. And if we try to sort of create it, I'm not sure we would ever create a butterfly or a bee if we were left to our own imagination. And that's where I think nature is, is constantly evolving. And I think for me as a practice, if change is constant, what is not constant is our ability to adapt. And so the purpose of gratitude in my mind is to really allow us to accelerate the pace of our adaption, our ability to constantly see what is new and what is constantly changing in front of us that's what these practices, whether it's gratitude, meditation, or mindfulness, for me at least, is like, okay, I'm not stuck in a particular moment. I'm not worried about what might happen in the future. I can just be present to what is happening now and trust that the next thing will be 
the next thing and don't have to like elevate it or diminish it um, based on my own sort of predetermined worries and fears. I'm so excited for this unfolding of the podcast as well. You mentioned your partner, Arlene, the artist who spent a hundred days illustrating a hundred different plants. And of all the different themes that came up, she had over a hundred themes. You selected 39 to create the gratitude blooming card deck. You started with forgiveness. I mean, what a difficult topic to start a set of decks with, to start a podcast with. How did Arlene get to that point? Well, we're going to hear her telling that story in just a minute. But what I will say is a really memorable time of the creation of this card deck was just sitting in her living room, looking at all hundred pieces of art laid on the floor. And she had put them in the order of when they were drawn. And we were you know, just picking and choosing which ones we wanted to include in the card deck and kind of connect it with this overarching theme of gratitude. You know, which ones of these plants, which themes would really connect with this universal virtue of gratitude in a bigger way, in a deeper way. And I remember her telling me that forgive was the first card. And I'm just looking at this card right now in front of me. And it felt really important to honor that this was the first drawing of the hundred that she did. And in many ways, you know, before we can even begin this practice, we've got to forgive ourselves. We've got to be compassionate to ourselves to be able to open up to the possibility of gratitude in all these ways. And um, when I heard her tell her story around forgive, I thought, wow, this is the way we have to introduce gratitude blooming from the perspective of her art and her connection with the plants. And what this theme wants to share, what this plant, the anemone, the space that it wants to hold for this podcast. Hmm. Just bringing up that story, I can just totally picture you looking at all these illustrations. And, you know, every time we've used the card deck in our gratitude circles and forgiveness has come up, it's just really touched a nerve in a powerful way. And I think this is where gratitude is learning to just notice, oh, that's a nerve that's getting touched. And as I've dived into the topic of forgiveness a little bit, it seems to me that forgiveness is in some ways a recognition that we're tethered to our past pain. When we're tethered to our past pain, then we're, we haven't forgiven something or someone, including ourselves. And when we do the forgiveness, then all of a sudden we're able to, in some ways, cut that cord, at least the cord of the pain. Um, so we're no longer triggered by that memory, that moment. And as a practice, then learning that with gratitude, we can trigger our positive emotions so that we don't become triggered by our negative ones. And that to me is then the sort of balancing act, I guess, of recognizing what has happened, but not necessarily continuing to have to like carry the burden of what has happened, particularly that which has been painful or challenging. And since we know that the human brain has a biological bias to stick to the negative, it's even more important that we recognize that these practices work, that yes, 
painful things happen, but we also have the choice of how do we want to sort of acknowledge and recognize these things as we also move forward. Mm, You're bringing me back to that time when we were looking at all the hundred sketches and the themes from the complete collection. And it was interesting how we were trying to balance the light and the dark of the themes and even looking at the artwork itself. Yeah, it's really exciting to imagine us every week with this focus on a new theme and exploring the light and the dark within us and what we feel from our relationships with others and and our world experiences. So let's listen to Arlene in her own voice share how she came to the theme of forgiveness. Hi, my name is Arlene, and I'm the artist of the plant drawings for the Gratitude Blooming card deck. It has been an honor to watch these cards reach so many of you with messages of hope and healing. I've sort of felt the need to detach myself from the artwork, to allow the work to take a life of its own through your experiences with them. In many ways, your insights have brought more depth and healing power to the images because they come from your heart, your gratitude, and your own stories. It's a lesson that there is something universal that we all can experience in these flowers beyond our individual interpretations. And it's uplifting to know we share something in the way we experience them. So the amazing team here has selected several themes to dive into in the coming months. And I'll do my best to tell the story of how the drawings originally emerged into the world. So here we go with the first story and first card of the deck, the anemone and the theme of forgiveness. As a bit of a background, the 39 drawings included in the cards are selected out of a 100-day project that I did back in 2015. It was a great project spearheaded by L. Luna on Instagram, but with roots that go back to a design teacher at the Yale School of Art and a partner at Pentagram named Michael Beirut. The premise of the project is that you commit to doing and making something for 100 days consecutively. There is something in the disciplined, repetitive process of creating and sharing that leads you to places that inspiration alone could never reach. The discipline and even devotional act of creating every day is like a way of making a deal with the universe to show up for each other, rain or shine, every day. For me, I committed to doing a drawing of a plant or flower every day and called my project 100 Days of Blooming Love. At the time, I had no idea that the Gratitude Blooming cards would ever exist. On the first day of the project, I went out into my garden and found a blooming anemone flower that I decided I would try to draw. When I cut the flower and brought it into the studio, I noticed it was already starting to wilt. And in the process of getting it into a position I could draw from, one of its petals fell off. I'm not sure if any of you have noticed the detached petal in the drawing. I felt so bad, like nothing was going right. And all I seemed to have accomplished was to kill this poor flower on my first day. So as I started to draw, I kept repeating in my head, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And as I continued on, really holding the theme of blooming love in my heart, 
the flower seemed to say to me in a very calm and powerful way, I forgive you, but now you need to learn to forgive yourself. Forgive your loved ones, forgive everyone and everything. Let go with nothing but love. And so I wrote the word forgive next to it. And that's the story of the first drawing and the first flower of our Gratitude Blooming card deck and its lesson of forgiveness. And it sort of makes sense because when you are truly grateful for something, then there really isn't a more powerful way to show it than to be willing to forgive in order to preserve it, in order for it to truly bloom and thrive one day. In many ways, the gift to be able to choose forgiveness is the only generative way forward. So Belinda, let's talk a little bit about gratitude circles. What are they? How did we come to create them? And how did that, I think in some ways, the gratitude circles really inspired the creation of this podcast? Well, after the gratitude blooming card deck, uh, was first created, one of the things that we realized was not only was this a powerful tool for personal practice, you know, combined with meditation or a yoga practice or any kind of, you know, morning ritual, we started to kind of experiment with them and using them with friends and community members and realized, wow, this, this card deck actually allows for meaningful connection in ways that normally would not happen otherwise. You know, I found myself sharing very vulnerable things pretty quickly just by picking a card like forgive. And when we started to realize that with friends and family, we thought, well, what, how cool would it be to create experiences where others can connect with themselves and be able to share in this way. And it can be people that don't even know each other coming together. So we started hosting um, Saturday circles online. We even had a monthly kind of happy hour gatherings in person in Oakland and and just had people share their story around a theme. And what we found was it really created an opening, a portal for connection that was super heart centered and and re- and felt very real in the moment of what's happening with with folks. And our Saturday circles have evolved into a place on Zoom where it's really for journaling and really connecting with the personal inquiry of the moment as we ground together through a meditative practice and and just being able to express ourselves using the chat kind of as a, as a group journal has been a beautiful way to uncover, you know, what's really going on. What am I really feeling in this moment? What am I curious about? And to do it in community just makes you feel so much less alone. I'm not personally someone who journals on my own a lot, but being able to read someone's live journal entry in the moment is really profound. And then having the card deck be a way to kind of offer some message from nature or uh, a reminder from the universe, or, you know, it just has been so empowering in many ways and validating. And, and so, yeah, it's been really sweet. What I, what I love about that is 
that combination of message from nature and I would my my instinct is a nice prompt and it's maybe a message from the universe but it also is just a moment to sort of be present to the synchronicity or the randomness of things mm. and so that to me is like gratitude is whether you're into the woo-woo part of it or the science part of it it's all good it all works um and and I think for me, what the gratitude circles, and we've now, since we've started collaborating on gratitude circles in December of 2020, we've probably now hosted 50 plus gratitude circles with strangers, with healthcare workers, with foundations, philanthropic, you know, uh, social impact leaders. And so far, no matter the setting or the community of people or even organizations that are facing challenges, somehow these circles have like penetrated people's walls. Like the, the barriers, the walls that we often kind of have up as we're engaging with other people. As we just kind of like pause, you can kind of feel those walls coming down a little bit and become more present. And this is, you know, for anybody who has not participated in a gratitude circle or other kinds of circles, healing circles, circles of trust, there's lots of different circle practices, really all inspired by this idea that we often used to just sit around a campfire for generations. You know, we've lost some of that practice of what does it mean to sort of sit around a campfire and just be present with each other. But when we do, we really create that sort of intersection between our own self-care and our shared connection. I like to kind of think about these practices of self-care in community or like within a circle as how we turn selfishness into selflessness. Because then all of a sudden, it's not just about us. It's actually about how we're showing up in the world with others and how we show up in the world with others actually makes a difference because that actually shapes the world that we're living in. For me, this is, you know, the practice of gratitude is about making good visible and reminding ourselves that we often take things for granted and then make them invisible. And so when we can sort of learn to pay attention, to see, as you said at the beginning, what are we seeing and what are we not seeing and become aware of those things? It's all there. It's just what what we're actually willing to kind of be present to. Like all the emotions that come up, fear, anger, disgust, whatever that sort of challenging emotion is, it's all there, whether we want to pay attention to it or not. And so to me, these practices and nature is just continuing to help us ground and be present. And when we do that in community, there's an acceleration. So the benefits of gratitude sort of accelerate because we're not just sort of relying on ourselves. We're actually being able to do it in community and seeing, being a witness and then also being heard, being seen and being felt. I think all those things all of a sudden just amplify uh, the power of gratitude. Hmm. So we actually have some examples of gratitude circles and how people in real time, this is where the beauty of the cards, because we pull the cards randomly, people have to just be present to whatever, whether it's the illustration, the prompt, the flower, the plant in the moment. So there's no 
predetermined answer. We often already have the answers in our head of like, how am I going to respond? But because the cards are pulled randomly, we're just sort of present to what that feeling is. And so here are a couple of examples of how people responded to the forgiveness card. When I think about forgiveness, I know from experience that there was a time where I relived a lot of my mistakes over and over. And it was like, why? Like, there was no need to do that. And so I had come to a point where I had to set myself free and forgive myself for what I didn't know any better or what I was just learning. I think about my parents. They did the best with, they, with what they had. And I have to forgive them for the mistakes they did, whether they intentionally or not want to believe that it was didn't know any better. And forgiveness can bring so much peace and make your heart just sing at times. That's such a powerful piece. When she talks about reliving those mistakes Mm. or those moments in the past, it just immediately made me think, are we reliving things or are we living? And that in any given moment, we have a choice. Do we want to relive what has happened or do we want to live what can happen? And that sort of choice, that moment to pause, to sort of see like, okay, we have some agency. Uh, It's just so powerful hearing it. And it was also, I think, in a lot of the circles, hearing how much pain has been caused by parents. And, you know, I certainly having had a father who uh, didn't necessarily stick around um, can appreciate that challenge. And now as a parent of two daughters, and I think in many ways, the reason I began this practice of gratitude was that I didn't want to pass on the pain that I had experienced. And so much pain is generational, it's passed on. And so to me, these practices are really about how do we break these cycles, whether they're the cycles from generation to generation or just day to day. How do I let go of what happened yesterday so I can just be present to today? And so this idea of reliving or living is amazing. I was the oldest of 11 children in a Catholic Irish alcoholic family. My mother was hell on wheels. She was, was just not a good mother at all. I left at 18 and never looked back. And I was actually the mother at age 10 because she was drunk. Anyway, after she died, I was told her story. And I had an experience of absolute, complete forgiveness once I knew how she was raised. She had nothing. She was not loved. She was sexually abused every night of her life. And I mean, it was a horrific worry. And she had these babies. The Catholic Church told her she had to or she would hell because it was born out of wedlock. But when I found how she was raised, I had understanding why she was such a rule follower. She had no idea what to do. I, I pray that maybe we get another go at this because she missed all the good stuff. She was more worried about us loving her than we were about loving us because we never felt love. And But when, when someone's dying, you can see that. It was so sad, but I did 
I really do get the idea of gratitude for for her and for myself. So thank you. Wow. What um, is coming up for me listening to that? I remember that circle, actually, is love. How much love we have to have for ourselves and love we have to have for others as we intentionally forgive because we have to choose love over the pain and the hurt that we experienced from someone else and just have a greater awareness of of the other person's suffering sometimes that causes our own suffering. And that's one of the special pieces of the gratitude circle are the guides that hold it that each person's inner teacher is their best guide that there's no fixing saving or advising of others silence is a participant and sometimes discomfort provides room for discovery and so as we hear people's reflections on sometimes difficult topics like forgiveness. Nobody's actually trying to give that person advice as to like, oh, well, you should do this or you should do that. Or in my experience, I did this or I did that. And so in many ways, just listening and witnessing is creating room for grace. And that to me is really part of why we hold the gratitude circles is we create just a little room for grace, a little room for forgiveness, room for our emotions, room for us to just be in community together. Because when we're so busy kind of either trying to hold and control our emotions or try to sort of anticipate what needs to sort of happen, things tighten up. And then there isn't sort of room for possibility. So to me, in some ways, this podcast is like, how do we make room for what we actually want in our lives? And sometimes we have to like deal with the things that we don't want to. And it's so been so interesting, Omar, just preparing for this first episode, knowing that it's been about forgiveness, because in many ways, what I'm starting to notice is that the very thing that we're meant to give in the world is the very thing that we're meant to also be initiated into and, and practice. And and just interesting, over the weekend, I um, had some friends visiting uh, and it was the first night of seeing this friend after a while. We hadn't talked in a long time, but we were very close. And um, I was like triggered by something that they shared and responded very emotionally to um, to something they said. And this kind of went into a very um, intense and kind of heavy conversation. And afterwards, uh, the next morning I realized, wow, like some of the words that I said as a response to their words was hurtful. Um, and 
I was like, how do you ask for forgiveness when you know you've caused harm in what you've said to someone? And uh, one, I had to stop and just be compassionate to myself. Like, I'm not a bad person. You know, I, I reacted and it caused harm for the other person. So I, can I forgive myself for behaving that way in the moment? And then after that, it was like, can I actively ask for forgiveness? And I've never actually done that before. I've had people ask, maybe one friend in the past asked me for forgiveness. And it was really, I was really struck by that actually, because no one had ever asked me that before. And so when I saw him, I said, hey, like, I'm really sorry for the harm I caused. You know, will you forgive me? And I could see the emotion in his eyes because he had never had that experience of someone asking him for his forgiveness. And having a few days now to kind of process that moment, it's like, wow, this is, we're, we're in for a ride. <laughs> I think we're going to be living these themes every week as we, you know, share about it. And so just feeling gratitude and also a little bit of tenderness around this theme right now. I can totally see the emotion in his eyes. What did that look like? It was really soft and gentle and sad. There was sadness there. I felt like there was sadness for the harm that I caused and also um, sadness in like a love of like, wow, like, our friendship matters. You, you see that this friendship matters because you asked for forgiveness. It felt like very, mm. very delicate. I love that word, what matters. I think we often just forget in the sort of flow of things, like what actually matters, what really is important to us and how do we then honor uh, that? Again, you know, Gratitude is about making visible what we value. And so it's that practice of constantly being like, okay, what matters? To me, I, I feel like we don't practice gratitude for when times are good. We practice gratitude for when times are tough. And it's not to sort of assume that everything is always going to go well and swimmingly. It's actually to be like, nope, there's going to be sort of ups and downs. And so how do we not necessarily create flat water, but how do we create a boat that allows us to ride those waves uh, up and down. This is uh, not something I share often, but uh, every evening I practice gratitude with my wife and daughters before they go to bed. But what we also do is share the Lord's prayer, like forgive us. Our, um, and there's a line in there, which is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it's, inherently about a two-way street, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm -hmm. To me, that's also like gratitude. Gratitude actually begins by giving, not receiving. And so when we actually take the initiative to give thanks or to forgive someone, we actually then are creating, again, room or space for what is happening to just be recognized and acknowledged. And that's all it is in some ways, is just acknowledging what is. It, it's nothing any fancier than that. 
And really then the practice of noticing and really noticing not just with our eyes or our mind, but I know Belinda, you are constantly pushing me to be like, notice with your heart, notice with your belly, notice with the bottom of your feet, right? What does that like full sensory experience look like? Because we are so good at, our brains are like incredible at compartmentalizing things and separating and so to like notice with one's feet like i know i know you love meditations that are like focus on the bottoms of your feet and feel the ground and so that level of awareness and feeling starts to break down those compartmentalized walls that we keep Um, because that's i think in some ways the challenge is like oh this is i'm this is what's personal and this is what's professional this is home, this is work. And I think in many ways, one silver lining of the pandemic, for some at least, has been the walls of work and home have come down a lot. And and so they, it's created an opportunity for us to rethink like, well, what does it mean for me to show up as I am, uh, wherever I am, uh, in, and trust that it's good enough that I'm good enough. Can I forgive myself for not living for others? Can I forgive others for sharing space with me? Can I be able to join space with living boundaries? One of my favorite words is space. There's the Chinese-American geographer, Yifu Tuan, who says that place is security, space is freedom, we cling to the former and long for the latter. And it's just this constant tension between what keeps us safe and what actually gives us room for freedom. And the challenge is that security is so strong, right? Like the, the biological bias of our brain to see the negative pushes us into the arms of security. What is familiar? What is comfortable? What is it that I know? And yet, the only thing that we know is that change is constant. And the only way to really embrace change is to be open to what we don't know, that space of unfamiliar. And that really requires a little bit of trust. Uh, And trust is that I think the, the powerful thing about trust is that trust begets trust. It creates it. And that's what freedom does. Freedom allows us room to create, not from what was, but what can be. And so I love that she introduced this idea of space and forgiveness. What do we make room for? I think I need to truly forgive someone who hurt me and allow myself more space to sit with the leftover feelings that I harbor towards them. I think that once I do this and I let go, then I will allow more space to be vulnerable with myself and others. And I can give myself breathing room to be honest, feelings to share and express. I know I'm going to need the support and guidance and love from my community to do all of those things. I have lots of family in my community who can offer their perspective and advice and love. It's those relationships that are vital to my growth and success. What comes up for you, Belinda? What's coming up for me is how 
inevitably we will cause harm to other people in relationships. And that's always going to be part of the dance is, you know, I'm going to step on your foot and I, and sometimes I won't even know that it's happening. And, and then how do we repair that? And reminds me of a friend who, right when George Floyd's murder happened, um, she was actively doing white allyship work. And one of the things that she shared with me is that we will, you know, I will inevitably cause harm to someone else and not even know. And how do we do that work in community to be back in right relationship? And it's this ebb and flow, and it's not about not being not making that mistake or not, you know, preventing harm. It's almost more important. What do you do when it happens? And, and, and how important community is in that, you know, to be able, be able to talk about it, be able to share that you, you were hurt. Um, and letting, you know, letting go is a process, you know, I, as much as I would love to say, like, I'm not thinking about the situation with my friend, even around forgiveness, you know, it still comes back. Um, but being able to do it in a way, like what you were saying, Omar, where you're still living, you know, I'm not reliving in the past. It's actually helping me be more in the present and how I'm relating to myself and other people. And, and that can be a very powerful lesson that, that lingers for as long as it needs to, you know, until the next cycle. So I love that reflection that was shared about letting go and the ebb and the flow and the community aspect of this. You said two of my favorite words, right relationship. And I've always loved those two words, but I didn't really have an appreciation for what they actually mean until last year. And it was described to me as right relationship is how are we in proximity to each other? Can we dance? Is there room? And this is where the idea of murmuration, where birds are flying and they're moving in formation, not because there's one central command bird that's saying, move left, move right. But the, f- the birds are in right relationship with each other. They're close enough that they can move together, but they're not so close that their wings collide. And so for me, like the practice of gratitude, particularly in community, and I love that she recognized that dealing with her leftover emotions was going to be done in community, not by herself alone. The birds are sort of in a flock together, moving together in right relationship. And I think gratitude circles are one of these spaces that we learn to practice flying. We can practice flying with that self-care and that shared connection. So we can soar. We'd love for you to join us in one of our gratitude circles. It's an incredible opportunity to not just listen to other people's stories, but to share your own. This is the real work. This is how we actually change our lives. 
Linda and I will be hosting a free gratitude circle every Monday evening, Pacific time, starting in August, and we'd love to see you there. Each week, Belinda and I are excited to share a new theme inspired by the 39 gratitude blooming cards and to share stories and lessons learned from the circles we've held. But maybe most importantly, we'd love to just share a practice. How can you put this into practice in your daily life? And the cool thing about it is that the practice can be so many different things. And so we're going to introduce new practices every week and just give you a chance to see what works for you. That's the practice that works. The reason why we emphasize practice is because we all have habits. Habits are those automated autopilot activities that we do day in and day out. Practice is what disrupts habit. And when you're trying to develop how you notice the world, how you notice your mind, how you become aware of your emotions without necessarily becoming triggered by your emotions, we have to be able to disrupt our habits. And so each week we're going to introduce a new practice for you to try on. And for this week, I was really sitting with the practice of forgiveness and remembered a friend of mine who was sharing about her forgiveness practice. And she taught me about this Hawaiian tradition, this Hawaiian prayer called Ho'oponopono. And it's a very simple practice. And basically, it's a little prayer. Um, Anytime you need a little support around forgiving others or receiving forgiveness, it roughly translates to causing things to move back into balance or making things right. So this idea of right relations that Omar talked about. And there's only four parts to this prayer. Basically, it's, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. So as you move through the week this week, just thinking about this theme of forgive, we invite you to take a moment if something arises for yourself or in your relationship with others to just sit with that prayer of Ho'oponopono. And you can just repeat it as a mantra or just say to yourself the four parts. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Beautiful prayer. Thank you, Belinda. We appreciate you listening to us today and hope to see you in a circle soon. Cheers. Cheers. See you next week.